DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce, get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call them at 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. We're joined now by Ryan Thorburn. He covers the Oregon Ducks. He's the beat writer for the Register Guard in Eugene, Oregon. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property. Concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at Smart Rain. Net. Ryan, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So I guess the first question right out of the gate is the Ducks and the playoff talk, is it too much hype or can they pull this off? I don't think it's too much hype just in the sense that Mario Cristobal has stacked together three top ten recruiting classes and they have uh, a list of key super seniors back so they have the experience, they have the talent, they have depth at every position. Uh, obviously, winning at Ohio State is something that the Pac-12 could really use for the Ducks to go ahead and do that and get in the mix from the get That's a, really a tall task when you look at you know Ohio State stacked together, you know top five recruiting classes for years and years. So, uh, you know I I don't see that happening in terms of beating Ohio State in the horseshoe, but they do have the talent in place to give it a run for sure. So we heard uh, after Friday's practice that Cristobal addressed the suspensions of safety uh, Jamal Hill and DJ James. Uh, apparently they were shooting airsoft guns at people from a car. Uh, I don't know what that's about, uh, but what type of penalty is for, in terms of duration is that going to be? Yeah, obviously uh, really a bad start to, to fall camp. That actually happened. Uh, that incident happens. Hours after their media day on Tuesday, it happened late Tuesday night. So both those players are projected starters and both are suspended indefinitely. I'd be surprised if they're in the Ohio State game. I mean, those are that's a pretty bonehead thing to do. It's pretty serious. You know, one person is allegedly hit in the face. You know, I don't know a lot about airsoft guns other than they kind of look like a real gun and it's probably like a modern-day BB gun. So... Uh, not the way you want to start camp. You know, as I mentioned, I think DJ James, who had two interceptions in the Pac-12 championship game, is one of their top five most talented players. He played the nickel, replaced Javon Holland, who's an NFL player now, seamlessly. And uh, Ohio State has the best wide receiving core in the nation. So really an ominous start. Oregon has depth, like I mentioned, and they have young guys behind them that are you know, touting guys, but that's definitely a hit to lose two starters right off the bat. And we'll see what that suspension ends up being once, you know, they're arraigned and, and the severity of the charges are, you know, either reduced or, or as they are now. So, PK was a writer for the Salt Lake Tribune for a long time, beat writer, and but covered different teams at Utah and BYU, football and basketball. And some of the teams there were sometimes problems behind the scenes. I guess loosely they'd be called discipline issues, but some of them were even bigger than that. Is this a team, because you're there and you're in Eugene, you're not in Portland trying to cover the team, but you're in Eugene, is this like a one-off and, and way out of character for this team? Or is there a chance that stuff could happen like this down the road that, you know, it's a little loose behind the scenes? What's your perception of it? Yeah, I mean, you never know when you have 118 guys or whatever they have at camp. You know, the odds are there's going to be one or two that that mess up. I mean, if you were 
just sample 100 random college students, that's going to happen. Um, these are young people that do dumb things, but I don't sense that there's any discipline issues overall in, in the team. I think you sense that in 2016, Helfrich's last team did not have good chemistry. They had a bunch of off the stuff, and once the off the field stuff, and once the season started going south, you could feel like there was just no hope of pulling out of it. I think this is a one-off, like you said, and uh, you know, definitely a serious incident, and definitely something that's going to impact the defense. But you know, I think Mario Cristobal has a pretty tight grasp on what's going on in the program. Yeah, I think it's a blow, but when you got guys like Wright and McKinley back there defensively, and then you've got somebody by the name of uh, Thibodeau in quarterbacks' faces virtually every play, I don't know if it's a fatal blow. And, and a strong linebacking core there, and I can argue, you talked about Ohio State having the best receiving, and I can argue that the linebacking core at Oregon, which includes one of our local guys here, Sewell, that they're going to be fine defensively. Yeah, and and on the flip side, you know, Ohio State has four, you know, elite recruits that they haven't thrown a pass in college yet. The winner of that will have one game under his belt, and Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be putting a lot of pressure on that person. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Noah Sewell, an inside linebacker, a five-star recruit. Now his buddy Justin Flo, who missed last year with a, a knee injury is probably going to be alongside him, another five-star recruit. Um, those two are among the top recruits Oregon's ever had behind Thibodeau. So their front seven should be really good. Mikhail Wright is a shutdown cornerback, and Ron McKinley is one of the smartest safeties. And, and these uh, two recruiting classes that haven't really played much football, it's like they have a, one giant freshman class, you know, with last year being so strange. Um, including a, a five-star cornerback, uh, Dante Manning. You know, talent is not the issue, and Tim DeRuiter has a history of improving defenses, so they should be better than they were last year on defense. So at quarterback, they're going to rely on a transfer who has had two knee injuries that have uh, ended seasons. Um, what are the reviews on Anthony Brown when you're close to the program? Yeah, I think Anthony Brown is is the wild card in all of this. You know, I think whether they're a playoff caliber team or a Pac-12 championship team or a disappointment is going to come down to how Anthony Brown plays. They're not going to ask him to to carry the water. He's just got to manage things. But he's a a sixth-year senior, Boston College transfer, who, you know, wasn't really able to get in the mix last camp because he was not in the program during the spring and then everything was shut down and, Pac-12 was so limited in practice that Tyler Shuck, you know, held on to that off of four spring practices and limited uh, fall camp. So Tyler Shuck has transferred to Texas Tech. Um, I wouldn't say that Anthony Brown is a better quarterback than Tyler Shuck, but he could be a better fit for what Joe Moorhead does with his system. How about Ty Thompson in that quarterback race? Because I think that he might be the most talented of the three, including Butterfield. There's no question that, you know, he's a guy that fans are, are really excited about. Uh, one of the highest recruited quarterbacks, if not the highest recruited quarterback they've ever had. Um, he was in during spring, which helps. He looked, you know, obviously to be several steps behind Brown and even behind uh, their 2020 quarterbacks, uh, Robbie Ashford and Jay Butterfield. But, you know, it's only a matter of time until uh, a player of that caliber either 
wins the job or transfers in today's day and age. So uh, it would be interesting if Anthony Brown were to perform, you know, poorly and, and be the reason they didn't beat Ohio State. The next week they have Stony Brook. Do you throw one of the young guys in there and just go with the future? Uh, that'll be uh, an interesting situation for sure. So do they just need average quarterback play because the wide receivers are so good? I mean, you got a 6'5 target. Just don't screw this up. He's 6'5". It's a pretty big catch radius for Devin Williams. Yeah, I don't think it's just about the quarterback because, you know, some of these receivers and running backs, you know, Johnny Johnson, Jalen Brad, Micah Pittman, uh, they, a lot of them have been around, and the running backs too, C.J. Verdell and Dye, they've been around, and they're the same guys that Justin Herbert was working with. And, you know, now you hear the NFL scouts saying, well, Herbert didn't have any NFL guys that he was working with at skill positions. There's one reason he was maybe downgraded coming out. So they have a lot of the same guys. So I think it is a, how many of these true freshmen that look like more of the NFL type of prospects can supplant these seniors and, and have an impact on the team. I think that'll be key. We saw, you know, a couple of these wide receivers just show out in the spring game. It'll be really interesting to see if they – can mix and match the experience with the, the young talent, which is, you know, a, a higher quality of athlete. You think Washington is the toughest competition in the North? Yeah, I think Washington clearly is, is the toughest team in the North besides Oregon. That game's in Seattle. Um, that's the thing about Oregon as far as the playoff that makes it tough is all of their marquee games are on the road. When you look at Ohio State, Washington, UCLA against Chip Kelly, and then Utah. You know, there's there's just it's hard to imagine them not stubbing their toe once or twice there. So uh, that rivalry is obviously going to be spiced up even more than normal with Washington not being able to play the game last year and uh, forfeiting the North Division title or at least the Pac-12 championship game entry to their rival because of COVID. So. Uh, I, I don't think either team uh, is happy with the other the way 2020 played out. Come on, those two teams are never happy with each other. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, I think the Pac-12 needs to root for any team, whether they hate them or not, to make the playoff. But, yeah, for sure, uh, that Husky uh, rivalry is going to be interesting with Jimmy Lake. You know, he, he's a guy who brings it on defense and is trying to – upgrade their recruiting, and Mario Cristobal uh, recruits every day of the year at a high level, so it should be good for years to come. How much do you think the teams that miss teams on the schedule is going to factor into Pac-12 race? Because you've got Oregon missing ASU and SC, so that's the first and third teams in the South. Then you got Washington, or excuse me, you got SC misses Oregon and Washington, who's first and second projected anyway. So I'm wondering, man, if the schedule maker, the way it just plays out as in the rotation, could end up having a fair amount of impact. Yeah, on paper, I think that's why Oregon and USC are picked again, is you know they don't play each other during the regular season, and they miss some of the other powers from the the other opposite division so you know on paper i get that i just think you know you just never know i think chip kelly's gonna have something to say about oregon as well um they have to go down to la to play them and uh even though utah has to play oregon it's at home in november 
that could be, uh, you know, that could swing the thing where it could be Utah-Washington instead of Oregon-SC, just if the Utah is able to beat Oregon. So you just never know. But, um, yeah, on paper, you know, I voted Oregon-USC because that's, I look at the schedules as much as anything else. Ryan Thorburn joining us, Oregon Ducks beat writer for the Register Guard in Eugene, Oregon. With the Oklahoma-Texas announcement, there's been plenty of speculation about super conferences. Who else does the SEC want to add? Is the Big Ten going to try to take the top teams out of the Pac-12? How serious is that talk in, in Eugene, and how would Oregon officials receive any of that? Well, right now, Rob Mullins is trying to, you know, I think his stance is that it's very early in, in George K. Um, I haven't mastered the last name yet, the new Pac-12 commissioner's <laughs> tenure. And, you know, the timing of that, you know, they're trying to just get on the same page with the new Pac-12 commissioner right now. And and I think if all 12 teams are on the same page, I don't see any way they're going to add any of these hateful eight, big eight leftovers. I don't think they add anything to the conference, really. So it's a matter of, I think what we're seeing nationwide is it's all about the big brands and are the big brands happy. So I think if USC is on board with the Pac-12, things are going to be okay. If they want to go independent or maybe join the Big Ten, then then we've, there's a problem out on the West Coast. So uh, I think the key over the next few years as this thing unfolds is you know what's best for USC and to a lesser degree Oregon as a national brand also. Well, Ryan, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and we'll look forward to that uh, Utah-Oregon game uh, in November. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks, guys. Ryan Thorburn, Oregon Ducks beat writer for the Register Guard in Eugene, Oregon. You think it comes down to the schedule? You hate schedule talk, but this is too big to ignore. Potentially, right now, anyway. Utah's missing Washington Cal, so it's not like the Utes are missing... Missing, uh, you know, the fourth and fifth or fifth and sixth best teams in the division. Right. And so it may not matter. Right. Uh, but I think it's significant that Oregon misses SC. And then SC misses the numbers one and two teams I projected? I know. I mean, that... Was Cal three or four? I think there were four. Was Stanford okay. three? Yeah. I had to double check that. Yeah, I think Stanford was three. Uh, but... Yeah, that's just weird. And I would hate to have it come to that. But I think in this case, with SC missing both of these teams... Mm. SC would say, well, this is what it came to two years know, ago. The youths didn't play Oregon. I got it. I yeah. understand that. I don't, you can Welcome just go to back these 12-team leagues, right? Yeah. At 10, where yeah. you could play nine games, one true champion, as the Big Ten said, and literally nobody is sticking with that. Which is why <laughs> I would pick... Play all eleven. That'd be awesome. And then basketball's inching towards all twenty-two, right? They're supposed to go to twenty this year, which I think is dumb not to just go two more, especially in basketball. There's two non-conference games yeah. that can be sacrificed. <laughs> I haven't looked at all your schedules, yeah. but I bet I can find. If you're them. playing Texas yeah. Southern, you can yeah. play a pack. Right, exactly. Right. Like right. I said, I haven't seen the schedule, but I will bet I can figure them out. I just know that BYU has Texas Southern on there, so I'm assuming they're coming here and playing somebody yeah. else and, instead. And you look at it, and especially for basketball. Because they need as much early season buzz as they can get. 
because it's sort of lost with everything that's going on in NFL and college. football is so big. Yeah, yeah it just yeah. swallows it's, it up. Right. And so if you play a At conference game. conference, you give yourself a chance. G- yeah. It, we it might be, not make a splash, but you give yourself a chance. Right. But then when you get to the first week of March, there is a sense of equity Everybody that, had two shots at each other. Yeah. And all these conference tournament games were the third matchup. And are particularly there when you you would play everyone home and away. See, the SEC went to 10 games. Now, they're also going to 16 teams. But I thought it worked. I thought that was an exciting SEC season. I know it was a weird year and everybody wasn't playing and NFL games were ending up on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And all, but the SEC playing 10 games, I thought that was good. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that they want to continue that. But they don't. This could end up being a significant advantage for SC. Now, Utah, I mean, you go tell Winningham this, you're going to slap me in the face. Get that crap out of here. Yeah. Because that's just an excuse. It go is win your is. bowl games. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who's playing whom, who's not playing whom, none of that stuff. You go win your games. And you don't have to worry about anything, right? You can, right now, literally every team controls its destiny, as that cliche goes. And so you have that opportunity. And in the end, you're right. Well, this year, it's this. Last year was that. Not last year, but the year before or whatever. And in the coming years, you could be at an advantage. So all that stuff is a bunch of blah, blah, blah. But just specifically this year, as it turns out, SC is missing both the team, and I think it's either going to be one of those two. I actually went with Washington ahead of Oregon myself. Um, I just felt like they had more experience that I could count. Well, it's on. not outrageous that Cal ends up third and Washington ends up first, and the Utes could be missing two of the top three. Now, it may not work out that way. They might end up second except, and fourth. Yeah, except they're not, and that's good. It's all on paper right now, anyway. Right, but they're competing with SC. Yep. I don't think they're competing with the teams below them. Now, sure, as I'm sitting here, somebody from the below them in a preseason might get them. Because so, your theory, there, yeah, there's always yeah, five shockers yeah. in the league. So, it, Is it three or five? It's not five, it's three. Three. Three head scratchers. two or three. Two or three head scratchers yeah. in the league. Yeah. So that could be one of the head scratchers. Right. You never know. Chip Kelly's team with an experienced quarterback could get the Utes this year. Maybe maybe so. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure. But it just strikes you right now. It's certainly minimally right now a talking point. Maybe well, it, we just proved when that. When we get to end of November, maybe it isn't a talking point. You know <laughs> we, what I mean? We just proved it's a talking point. Because if SC turns around and loses to somebody else that we didn't anticipate, Arizona. Arizona gave them a whale of a game last year for some reason that I don't understand. Right, that crappy Arizona team. Uh, so maybe they beat him this year. Who knows? Who knows what's going right. to happen? And Colorado's somewhat of a dark horse. So all sorts of stuff can happen. All right, DJ PK, it's ninety-seven-five at twelve eighty. The zone. When we come back, everything you missed in this show, we'll get you up to speed. Next, Andy Bailey analyzing the NBA, the uh, playoff race in the West after all the free agent moves. Your reaction to Jazz guys Rudy Gobert and Joe Ingles? winning silver and bronze in the Olympics or the U.S. gold. What excited you more? And we'll do all that next. Stay with us.